Need a powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens? Allicin Med is the powerful universal pathogen killer's latest advance of German-sourced Allicin, enzymatically stabilized to clear the body of bacteria, fungi, mycobacteria, and parasites. It penetrates body biofilms and is non-toxic to tissues. Pathogen resistance cannot develop for long-term body-optimized wellness. Clear stealth pathogens that promote autoimmune disease, cancer and vascular inflammation and plaque and promote healing of tissues. Now pathogen-free. With 200 milligrams more power than prior Alamed, you can't get a more powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens. Give your body what it needs. Allison Med. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutridyne at 888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. That's 1-888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. And listen to the Nutramedical Report on the Genesis Radio Network with open lines every weekday. Nutramedical.com, bringing nutrition and medicine together. This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back to the Nutramedical Report. I am so looking forward to this program, and Jonathan Gray has a lot to say, so I'll try to insert some comments here. But, Jonathan, it's mainly going to be your stage today. I've made some comments in other shows that this agreement that is now occurring between a quarter of Christians uh, that have made agreement that the Protestant Reformation is effectively over with the Vatican uh, today, which is the Day of the Dead. And people need to start understanding a few little data points here. Number one, there's eight high unholy days in the Druidic calendar, the Satanic pagan calendar, and this is the highest of them. It's called the Day of the Dead. Uh, and people need to understand the Druids are ancient, we call, they're so ancient, in fact, in their religious belief systems originated by Satan himself, that they predate all modern religions right back through Sumeria, Egypt, right back to the ancient worlds of Atlantis, etc., and Mu. People need to understand just how damned evil this is, because they Druidic Council of 13 runs Earth. And the head of that council is by name the Pindar, which means the penis of the dragon, Satan. And, uh, you know, if you actually read the ancient Hebrew scriptures, you'll read that, uh, that Satan, which is the judge or the destroyer, the judge of man and other beings, was sitting at the right hand of God in the heavenlies, and Yeshua Jesus was sitting at the left hand. And, in fact, if you read uh, the ancient scriptures in Hebrew, you realize that Satan actually wanted to be co-equal with God, which ticked God off, because he was a temporal being. He was not yet eternal, because his will was not in the will of the Most High. And I want people to understand this, that primarily most religious people don't. There's better and nicer people than me that aren't going to heaven because they don't have an eternal relationship with the only eternal one, which is God. And the broader definition of evil is to do what is right in your own eyes. In fact, if you read Genesis chapter 3, you'll understand that that the sin that Adam and Eve did was not a sin that looked gross and evil and disgusting. It was to decide not to pray to God for the intentions of their heart and what they were going to do. And God saw that they had a nakedness. The nakedness was that they decided for themselves. It wasn't nakedness in terms of the fig leaves that they covered themselves with in their body. It was a nakedness that they were, their intellect and their actions were not directed by the Most High God. That's the real nakedness, isn't it? And people don't realize that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil 
It's the one that where you decide for yourself what is good or evil. That is the broader definition of evil that people need to understand. And today, these people, these so-called Christians, deciding to side with this druidic anti-pope, uh, is opening not only the door to the destruction of Christianity, the great apostasy, but it's also the intentions of this Vatican, which had a meeting, and the previous pope had a, had a ceremony with uh, the uh, imams, Catholic priests, and uh, Jewish rabbis back on the mountain over uh, uh, Bethlehem, that they wanted to convince people that they want to create the supra-Abrahamic religion, including Islam. And so the next phase of this uh, so-called treaty will tie in directly with the Mahdi, who claims to be the best uh, buddy of Mr. Erdogan, and which will create the circumstances to create the caliphate in Jerusalem and the setting up of the temple. So this deal today is one of the most vile things in history, and it's a marker point that I want you to expand upon to say we are in the birth pangs, we are in the prelude to the actual mark of the beast tribulation that's coming quickly in the very first day of that last seven years and I will say this is not my opinion it's the thus saith the Lord is a future sakat or a time where we tabernacle not with Yeshua Jesus not with the most high God but we tabernacle with Satan and his minions on earth a covenant with death that he said I shall annul your covenant with death and that covenant with death is coming the first stages of that covenant is today isn't it so tell us all about it well, Bill, we're going to need every moment we can spare. Because there's such a lot of information. I, I just want to do an intro. I want you to cover it now. Cause yeah. I, want to do the, I want people to know just how serious this is today. This is a day of vileness, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now, prophecy fulfillments we've been waiting for for many years are now happening. There have never been so many pieces ready to move together. Right. And for 2,000 years... Uh, in the book of Revelation, it has been prophesied that the wound of the Vatican would take place and the healing of it. Well, today is the spiritual healing, the, the, the symbolic uh, religious healing of the Vatican's wound, and they're declaring this to be so. This prophecy now, after 2,000 years, today is the day for its fulfillment. Right. Now, just to quickly uh, summarize for people who are not familiar with the prophecies, you place the twin prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation together, and a beast is identified with leopard characteristics, and a leopard does not change its spots, the scripture says, and Rome says she never changes. Now, this beast is identified in scripture as a religious political power that will be based in the city of Rome. It can apply to no other power than the one we're talking about. Right. And in the Bible, a beast is, it symbolizes a political power. And a woman symbolizes a church. And in the book of Revelation, we, we have the description of this woman riding a beast. In other words, the Vatican using political power to enforce its religious laws. Now, I should say this, in case we have any dear Roman Catholic people listening today, that God is a tender father who loves sincere people. My wife was brought up a Roman Catholic. Yeah, so was I. And, I, and there are people that are Christians, despite all the filth of the apostasy they're in, may have the intention of their heart to want to know and to love the Most High God. So I want them to understand that God is long-suffering to bring the truth to them, which is why we minister to them today, healing balm for their eyes and healing to their ears so they can see and hear the truth. 
That is right. Never forget this. There are many decent people in the, in the, in the system who truly love Jesus, and he treasures them and loves them. Right, and, and that includes and, Mormons and others. Now, even with his Islam, there's many that are turning from Islam to Yeshua, and he's showing up supernaturally. We talked about this in some of the previous videos, where in Africa and other places where no minister could go because they'll be beheaded, Jesus himself shows up and does ministry. That is right. Now, prophecy says that this power is going to rule the world. This, this power that received the deadly wound is going to have the deadly wound healed, and the whole world will then follow it. And wow. prophecy forewarns us that the United States will be the most prominent power that leads the world to do so. It will set up an image or a likeness which is identical to that of the Vatican. Uh, in other words, religion is going to rule the government. And the government will pass oppressive laws that will enforce itself upon the people. Now, let's go back to the beginning of the 500 years that we're celebrating today. When Martin Luther, on October the 31st, 1517, nailed his 95 theses on the door of the Castle Church of Wittenberg, he triggered what is known as the Protestant Reformation. And uh, Protestants and Roman Catholics became irreconcilable because Rome was saying that you could have forgiveness of sin by paying money for indulgences. In other words, you have to perform physical acts to be saved, whereas the scripture and Jesus Christ himself was saying, have faith in me. Salvation is not by your own works, it's by my grace given to you, my un undeserved mercy. That's the difference. Wow. Now, now we come to the 500th anniversary. The Protestant Reformation is about to be declared dead, as you mentioned, Dr. Bill. Right. But beyond this, Bible prophecy says that when millions go back under Rome's control, the Reformation warning, however, is going to continue. So there's going to be a huge clash coming up soon. While Christendom, and by the way, I should state this, that just a week ago in Kansas City, uh, there was convened an historic conference between leaders of the Roman Catholic, Protestant and Orthodox churches. Right. And they, they likewise announced that this week, today, would be the death of the Reformation. And they, Kenneth Copeland was the spokesman, a keynote speaker at this convention. He said, the spirit of protest is of the devil. And this means that the American Constitution, if you take it to its exact conclusion, the American Constitution was founded on Protestant principles of separation of church and state and freedom. According to Copeland, this now is of the devil, the American Constitution, because it's founded on Protestant principles. Oh, really? Yeah, well, that's an amazing statement. When we come back, we're going to see the significance of what this means to us and why it precedes the embodiment of a of an Abrahamic supra tri religion that this welcome back. So Johnson you have a lot to cover today. I want you to do on the next stage. You mentioned this interesting statement by Copeland that says basically the US Constitution is uh, is uh, you know, and, and, and what it means is <coughs> the freedom that the Constitution allows us by extrapolation is satanic. In other words, right. freedom freedom is not our right. Is not our right. Uh, freedom well, is something that can only be granted by a power if it decides it wants to give it to us. But this okay, well, 
Yeah, I want you to get on to the other details. So let's, we've yeah. got to talk about today about this particular event, so please continue. Yeah. Now, it's very, it's very interesting that the Bible says a leopard cannot change its spots. So it represents the papacy as being leopard-like. Wow. And in harmony with that, the Vatican does boast that it never changes. So for, for the Protestant world to unite with the Roman Catholic, as from today, the change is not on Rome's part. The changes have to be made by the Protestants. Mm. And this is why Bible prophecy says that in so changing, they will become a likeness, that is an image, to the leopard-like beast, the Roman Catholic system. And so right. America will, will set up a system very similar to that of the Vatican in which dissenters will be persecuted. That is prophesied in the scripture. Right. Now, it's very interesting when we go back to the early reformers that they knew that the deadly wind would be healed, but they also expected the Reformation was going to continue. So they foresaw that a world-shaking battle was going to take place between two powers, those who went back and healed the wound and those that would continue to expose the, pap the papal power for what it is. And they foresaw a world-shaking Protestant message of judgment that was going to be preached against Rome, the Mother Church, and her backslidden daughter churches, symbolized by the name Babylon, which means confusion. And they foresaw that that message would commence around the 1800s under the supervision of three angels from heaven. For example, look at Martin Luther. In the 1500s, Martin Luther said this, I persuade myself verily that the day of judgment will not be absent for 300 years more. So wow. he was looking 300 years into the future, into the 1800s. Now Sir Isaac Newton, who died in 1727, he was 200 years closer. He referred to the same prophecy of Revelation 14 about the three angels and he said this, an angel must fly through the midst of heaven with the everlasting gospel to preach to all nations before Babylon falls and the Son of Man returns to reap his harvest. Therefore, a part of this prophecy is that it cannot be understood until that time, at the last age of the world, and therefore it makes for the credit of this prophecy that we do not yet understand it. But this is approaching. The general preaching of Revelation 14 is approaching, so it belongs to us and our posterity in the time of the end. That's an interesting observation of a prophecy soon to come through, but Sir Isaac Newton knew could not yet be understood yeah. at this time it hadn't yet come. By the way, Newton wrote more about prophecy than he did about uh, the motion of bodies or the calculus or anything else he did in science, didn't he? Oh, yes, he, he was a brilliant Christian man. Right. Then John Wesley, who died in 1788... He came a little late, little later than Newton, and he urged the earnest study of prophecy because he believed that important predictions were soon on the point of being fulfilled. He understood the, 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 the prophetic uh, symbolism of the scripture, and he could see that very soon now, almost on the point of being fulfilled, <laughs> is this message of the three angels of Revelation 14. Now, he then wrote that uh, Daniel's prophecy of 2,300 years of chapter 8 in Daniel fixed the beginning of a judgment time scheduled to occur and uh, 
Other scholars rose up and they began to proclaim that this judgment was going to be in the heavens where the books would be opened, according to Daniel chapter 7. And then on earth a movement would be predicted to announce it to the world, calling men to come from the traditions of papacy and start keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So Luther, uh, Wesley, Sir Isaac Newton and other men of God back in those early days looked forward to a time when this new message would come, when its time had arrived and the whole world would be shaken by it. Now it's very interesting that in the early 1800s all over the world simultaneously searches for truth began working and studying independently of one another. And one historian gives a list of 20 different parties who discovered this truth concerning the close of the 2300 year prophecy that was going to end in the year 1844 and this was an awakening among Methodists, Baptists, Church of England Roman Catholics even were, were involved in it all independently of one another a great awakening took place as the end of Daniel's 2300 year prophecy drew near absolutely stunning it was a message of approaching judgment in heaven and it was heralded through the United States Canada Great Britain, Germany, Holland, Russia, Scandinavia, Greece, Turkey, Palestine, Egypt, Arabia, Afghanistan, India, and to mission stations in all parts of the world. How about that? This happened independently everywhere at the same time. It was almost like the Holy Spirit spoke to all these people and says, the time of judgment is beginning. Start warning the world. Yeah. And, and an Anglican writer, Morant Brock, recorded that in America alone, about 300 ministers of the word were preaching this gospel of the kingdom of Revelation 14. And in Britain, about 700 men of the Church of England were raising the same cry. So it was awakening among all the churches to continue the Reformation and to uh, announce that the hour of God's judgment is come now some of them under, un, misunderstood it and thought it meant the return of Jesus and when uh, Jesus did not return in that year unbelievers scoffed at this interdenominational movement that Jesus had not come and they were disappointed but they had faithfully given the judgment hour call and that was the message that was due for the world at that time now it's interesting Dr. Bill that uh, this is a parallel to something that happened in the days of Jesus in his first coming, the disciples and the people proclaimed his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on, on that ass because they thought he was going to declare himself king. But they were at once disappointment because instead of enthroning him as king, they witnessed his crucifixion. Yet, that was a movement of God. It had been prophesied in the Old Testament. The message was given, Jesus is the king of kings, but they were mistaken because they did not understand that he first had to die. And when Jesus uh, entered into Jerusalem uh, that day, the priests asked Jesus to rebuke the children who were crying, Welcome to him. But Jesus answered those priests, and he said, If these children should hold their peace, the stones would cry out. The prophetic wow. cry had to be given, even though the people who gave it were going to be disappointed, temporarily. Wow. And that's what happened in 1844 likewise. Uh, leaders in Sweden, Sweden for example, said stop.
preaching this. And when, when the children were called upon not to preach, some of the children being so small, they, they stood upon tables to be seen and proclaimed adult words that they didn't understand themselves, that Jesus is starting to judge the world. Wow. That, had, that was the fulfillment of the, what happened in the first coming of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's... Welcome back, and uh, Jonathan, let's let's continue on this tack. Uh, so 1844, now how does that bring us from 1844 to our day? We're in 2017 now, and I guess you're yeah. the ahead of us. You're, no, you're already November 1st, so you've passed the Day of the Dead. But here That's in North America, right. we're having this, quote, All Hallows Eve, or Hallowed Eve. Uh, and remember, the Catholic Church is tied to this Constantine, who took over and paganized the so-called previous church, or churches, or groups of collectives of people. The word church, by the way, is a pagan word, isn't it? When people talk about the church... I go to this church, that church. Church always referred to a pagan druidic collection of people, either in a building or a temple, didn't it? Well, Bill, let's get on with what we're going to say. Yeah, so let's let's continue on. This is very Uh, significant what's going to happen today. So 1844, what happens between then and now? Yes. Actually, 1844 (laughs) was a prophecy in in Daniel chapter 8, and that stated that uh, the sanctuary would be cleansed. Now, the, the people who were proclaiming the, the judgment hour of that prophecy thought the sanctuary meant this earth, that the earth was going to be cleansed with fire. But what they didn't understand was the, the facts about the sanctuary. Uh, sanctuary actually was this, another word for tabernacle or temple in the Old Testament. And when the, the Lord asked Moses to and the people to build a sanctuary, he said, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. A sanctuary is a holy place. And, ah. the, sanctu- and the sanctuary services of the, of the Hebrews revolved around an animal sacrifice that was made in the courtyard. Right. And then, then the priest taking the blood of the animal into the first room of the of the two room uh, tent and sprinkling it uh, before the mercy seat, and but not going into the second room except once a year, and that is when the sanctuary, which had received the record by the blood of forgiven sins because when a sinner came with his animal and sacrificed that he confessed his sin and by faith looked forward to the sacrifice of Jesus in the future who was going to die for his sin and then the priest took over the role of symbolizing Jesus going into heaven, into the sanctuary of heaven and then uh, ultimately that sanctuary had to be cleansed because it, it had taken responsibility for the sins off the sinner's shoulders onto the priest who took, took it into the sanctuary and that was a prophecy of us confessing our sins, Jesus takes it into heaven, he becomes our high priest he intercedes for us but then ultimately the sanctuary has to be cleansed and right. even, Jewish, even Jewish understanding was quite clear on this that the day of atonement Yom Kippur was the day of the cleansing of the earthly sanctuary and on this day anyone who had not already confessed their sins was cut off from Israel and then the sins were placed upon the head of a scapegoat who died with the punishment on his own head 
for having done it. And the scapegoat represented Azazel, Satan himself. So ultimately Satan's going to be judged for all the sins he's made people commit. Jesus has taken the sins that, that his, his believers have heaped on him. He has died for them. He has taken them into the heavenly sanctuary where the books of record are. And then when the judgment sits, which is the Yom Kippur of heaven, the, the final judgment of heaven before Jesus returns, he, he, he then heaps those out of the sanctuary and the sanctuary is cleansed and he comes to destroy Satan who's going to be the punished punished for that and Jesus then comes according to what the books of record say all those who are covered by the blood of Jesus are saved and he comes for them that's the prophecy of the sanctuary that the Jews were enacting and even they understood that the cleansing of the sanctuary represented that final day of judgment and and that was committed into uh, the blood being sprinkled on the mercy seat under which was the ten commandments in the holy of holies of the sanctuary and of course the scripture says we'll be judged by God's law and I'll be covered by the blood of Jesus for having broken it what, what, kind of, what, what events happened in 1844 when this uh, prophecy was fulfilled? alright, several things happened first of all the prophecy was fulfilled in heaven it was the cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary the beginning of the judgment of open books that's described so well in Daniel chapter 7 judgment is set, the books are opened the, the papacy continues its work on earth, but then finally, judgment is, is made in favour of Jesus that he has rightly acclaimed his people and that he deserves to have those people. He can go back now without any questions in the heavenly minds and get his people and we can be trusted to live in his kingdom forever without messing up a second time. That's the message of that sanctuary. But it happens in heaven. It did not right. happen on earth. It was not to be a cleansing of the earth. Uh, the second coming of Jesus was not to occur in 1844. That right. was simply to be the beginning of the judgment in heaven, which would declare the events for Jesus to return later. Right. I think, in fact, uh, there were a number of religious leaders that, uh, that saw this prophecy misinterpreted and thought it had to be a physical thing, but they were wrong. Okay. They were wrong, yes. Now, how does that tie in with today? Because we're now 1844 is, yes. uh, is you know, 56 years until the 19th century, then 100 years, and now 17. So we've got 60, 60 uh, basically we've got 56 years and seven, uh, 63, 73 years, 173 years since this happened. That so, is right. so 173 years ago, and today, now the 500th anniversary of the... Uh, why we see people that are celebrating the Reformation, on the other hand, these people, these apostate ministers in America primarily, are saying, hey, that the, even the, the origination of the idea of Protestantism is itself evil. That's weird, isn't it? Oh, yes, it <clears> is. <throat> so, so what, now, here is, here is what the prophecy is, is predicting, Revelation chapter 14, that when the hour of God's judgment comes in heaven, which began in 1844, according to Daniel chapter 8, when this takes place, a message must go to the world. Uh, in the Bible it says God will do nothing except revealing it to his people on earth so when God is doing something important in heaven he gives a sense of message on earth to warn people about it and this message was to begin in 1844 that the hour of God's judgment is come and so worship him that made heaven, earth, the sea and the fountains of waters and that by the way is quoting a commandment in the Bible one that most people neglect Worship him as the creator. 
Right. And he gave the, he gave the Sabbath as the day when people should set aside to honour him and forget about their own worldly pleasures and gains and concentrate on God. And, of course, that's a good thing because there's so much stress in the world today. We all need to get less stress. And, and, and such a gift from God does help people to settle down once a week and get themselves in tune and uh, not be so stressed out. The stress is a terrible... Recharge Re- 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 your souls with the battery of eternity and God's will. Absolutely, yes. And so this is part of the message that was to go to the world from 1844 onward, and then this message was to be accompanied by two other angels' messages. One, that Babylon, the, all the churches have fallen. They're going back to Mother. They have fallen from the, the, the job that God was giving them to do. He started with Martin Luther. He continued on with, with Wesley and other great reformers, and he wanted to continue it right through, and, and uh, he said he would continue it right through, but now we have the apostates going back to Rome, and that's the message of Revelation chapter 14, the second angel, that they have fallen. They've fallen spiritually, and they're going back to the apostate mother. Then comes the next part of the message, and that message is, Warning against the mark of the beast. Mother's mark. The beast mark. And this is where we have the, uh, the, the importance of October 31, 2017. Now let me mention that the three angels' message is of such a great importance that it has it's had just as important as the message Noah gave to the, his world before the flood. And Luther, Wesley and other reformers foretold this message. And if they were living today, they would embrace it. They would be preaching it. But they are in their graves, but the message continues. Right. And on October 31, we're going to see the confrontation between the, the apostates that are going back to Rome and those who are preaching the, or will preach the three angels' messages. I think we'll do this in the last part of our program. Yeah, this, this is going to get very intense, isn't it? Uh, I would yeah. imagine the dialogue between these two divisions is going to become like what's going on in politics in America between people like Maxine Waters calling for assassination of Trump, etc. Anytime, any place. And welcome back. So, Jonathan, we have uh, more to cover here, and uh, I'm sure you'll probably build up a... uh, a PowerPoint we'll do sometime in the near future. Please continue. All right, thank you. Now, um, we have a que- I have a question here. Do we see an event uniting both the beast and its image? Yes, we do. October 31, today, the beast and the image are about to unite. They're coming together. The beast is, is, the, is the Roman Catholic Vatican. They're identified very clearly in, in Scripture. Right. And, and even a Roman Catholic priest admitted it. To somebody I know, right? And the and the image is the likeness, one who sets up a religious uh, organization that will uh, uh, use the state to persecute dissenters, just as the Vatican has through history. Right. Now, in the third angel, the third angel's message is warning against three things: warning against the beast, 
warning against the image and warning against the mark that's going to be enforced. So once the beast and the image are about to unite, what comes next? It's the enforcing of the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is not something as tame as a physical computer trip. Uh, the Bible says that, that his mark, his mark is the fact that he is the creator of heaven and earth and he has given us a day to worship him to recognize that. And Rome, the, the beast says, I have a mark. And I'm quoting now from the Catholic record, London, Ontario. Sunday is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible, and this, this transference of Sabbath observance from Saturday to Sunday is proof that we have the authority over the world. That's their question. That's their mark. They boast about it. Right. Now, it's not, a, it's not a question of just days. It's whose flag... Whose mark of authority we choose to accept? That of Jesus Christ, our Creator, or that of Antichrist? It's as simple as that. Right. Who created us and who created our will? And are we in God's will or our own will, which is like Aleister Crowley, do what thou wilt as the whole of the law? That's what Satan preached in the garden. That's what he preaches every day. The only sin man can do is doing his own will, not the will of God. Period. That's right. Now, I want to, I want to bring some very interesting parallels here into this. They are now saying that October 31 will be the death of Protestantism. The protest is over. Rome is saying that the Reformation was a wound. Now the deadly wound is being healed, just as Bible prophecy foretold. Now, there were two aspects to the wound. The Reformation in 1517 was Rome's wound religiously. And then, in 1798, Napoleon's general Berthier marched into Rome, pulled the Pope off his throne, threw him into prison, and Rome lost its political territory. That was declared extinct, and Rome's wound politically was inflicted in 1798. But the Bible foretold that the deadly wound was to be healed. Now, the first part of the healing occurred in 1929, when Mussolini signed an agreement with the Pope to restore to the papacy its physical political territory and newspapers across the world announced that the wound is healed that was the political aspect of the wound right now it's interesting that happened in 1929 the deadly wound was healed politically also in 1929 the great financial depression began now october 31 2017 the deadly wound is being healed religiously but something quite unrelated to this but like I am in contact with one of the world's chief economists who, who's made predictions based upon financial cycles that have never failed in 4,000 years and he is making this statement not aware that we're talking about the same day that, that Rome's deadly wound is healed religiously he is saying that on October the 31st 2017 is the beginning of the trigger for the greatest depression to come upon the world in history. But on that date, we may not hear about it happening, but that date, everything in the world financially begins to unravel. As five of the most powerful financial and geopolitical cycles known to man are converging today on October 31. 
These are the same cycles that accurately warned of the Great Depression of the 1930s. Now, he says, and these are his words, on October 31, these cycles will combine to become a super cycle with enormous destructive power. This financial expert's known as Dr. Martin Weiss. You can get him on the internet. Right, we have a link posted up there from one of our previous shows a few weeks ago. Yes, and he's saying that this crisis that's coming will make the Great Depression pale by comparison. Now, it's interesting that um, in the Great Depression of 1929 to 1932, only one-third of the people lived in urban areas, and 20% of all workers were involved in producing food for everybody. And yet, despite that, 10 million Americans died of starvation. They starved to death inside the United States during that period. Right. Now, the number of people in cities now has skyrocketed this time to 80%, from one-third, from 33% to 80% are now living in cities. Right. And and the food-producing workers have gone down from 20% to 1%. So in the coming depression, one is almost afraid to imagine how many are going to starve to death. <coughs> and so I'm recommending that if you're living in a large city or a large urban area, you should really be planning to move out. Now, when the infrastructure fails, cities will become very dangerous places. You may have only two hours to get out. And if your children are at school, your husband's at work, you're at home, how are you going to get together and get out in time? The time now is to move out of the big cities. But just to reiterate, 1929, the deadly wound was healed politically. 1929, the Great Depression began. 2017, the deadly wound is healed religiously. (coughs) 2017, the greatest ever depression begins. Can you see a pattern here? It all begins to unravel. Now's the time to to start getting to a safe place where you have your own food supply and when you can't buy and sell because the mark of the beast is going to have penalties attached to it that if you don't accept the mark willingly, you will be forbidden buying and selling. So if you can't buy food or sell food, you're not going to be able to live unless you can grow your own food. And the place to grow it is out there in some isolated place out in the country where uh, you can be undisturbed and where you cannot be persecuted, the way many are going to be persecuted in yeah. the cities and die. Yeah, Dave, uh, Dave Mitchell is our realtor. That actually, we do other programs talking about this, but please continue this. We believe in what we call cities of refuge, like the old uh, Genesis book, that people yeah. need to start planning, and they need to buy it outright. So, in other words, if you have 100 families that spend a few thousand dollars, they can own a piece of property that can have vertical gravity wells, solar panels, they can have a full set of skill sets so they can actually have redundancy and teach people and have welders and people that can be medical, etc. But we need to be ready for the fact that uh, society is going to break down. And you need to be away from the blast zone, away from fault lines, away from extreme weather, and away from violent people because you won't just have a tsunami of water. You'll have a tsunami of hungry, starving, violent, and crazy people desperate to do anything, including kill, to get some food. Oh, yes, they will be. You're living in the suburban area. Uh, people are going to be jumping into your, your property. They'll be breaking down your, your doors. They'll be doing anything. They'll go into your gardens and take all your food. You've got to get out of the cities. That, that's right. very important. Right. Uh, and I tell you, don't try to do it alone. Even if you're wealthy, you've got to do it as a village. You have to do it as a city of refuge or a village of refuge. 
and it has to be, be able to be defensible. So you have to have a perimeter of defense. And it is defensible to set up perimeters of defense and do things with both lethal and non-lethal weapons and so on. And people need to realize that much of the population isn't listening. I've been at this for many years, and I work with the federal government, and I don't see people spiritually preparing for what's coming, physically, electrically, food, or medical, preparing for plagues and other super storms uh, of, of destruction. Uh, if the power just went out, 90% of the population would be gone in six months, probably even sooner than that, but six months would be a marker. The fact is people are not getting ready for the spiritual, and the mark is multiple levels. It's a Sunday worship. It's a worship of a biometric system that may not even be a chip in you. You can just be using your biometrics like India. But the, the fact that they've got the system being set up today means the next step is the caliphate will make a deal with the Vatican and the Mideast and the Israelis. And uh, they're one step closer to the uh, caliph on uh, the Mount of Olives where Jesus ascended and where the Jews will start their blood sacrifice and uh, sanctify the Temple Mount. And that means the tribulation will start on Sakat. The sacrifice will be cut off on Yom Kippur, 1,230 days later. And then 30 days after that, the violence of the tribulation will take off like a rocket. Now, Dr. Unpitched. Bill, what's important, I'd like to leave my last message, what's yes, important please. is this, get ready, get ready for a, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, because without that relationship, even coming out of the country is not going to help you. Exactly. He, he says that those who have this relationship with him are going to, they'll be fed their bread and water. He Bill's Cognition Plus is truly the smarter in an hour pill. A combination of amino acids, trace minerals, and B vitamins, Cognition Plus is made with specialized herbal extracts that will enhance and support brain function. Our customers say, I feel more focused. My memory's getting better. I can work longer with more useful hours. Power up your neurotransmitters that have been depleted, like dopamine and norepinephrine. Simulate the release of others, like serotonin and oxytocin. Improve circulation and energy production. Protect your mind and your loved ones today. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Cognition Plus at 888-212-8871 or go online to Nutramedical.com. That's 888-212-8871 or NutriMedical.com. And listen to the NutriMedical Report on the Genesis Radio Network with open lines every weekday. NutriMedical.com, bringing nutrition and medicine together.